Sorry, I'll turn this on. You got, is it running? I got it, right? Hopefully it's coming. It's good to be flexible in our day and age. And uh, thank you for coming this morning. You can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 for a message. <clears throat> thank you, Todd, for sharing an opening devotional. I was blessed by that. And um, actually it preached my message for me in five minutes. But Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 17. <clears throat> that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the agape of Christ, or the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. This is not something you can figure out. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Flip forward to Ephesians chapter 5 with Valentine's Day upon us, coming upon us. Um, message this morning on love. <clears throat> Let's look at Ephesians 5. Now when you hear Ephesians 5, automatically we think, husbands love your wives, wives uh, reverence your husbands, but that's actually not where Ephesians 5 begins. Where it begins is in verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. It's so important that we understand this agape love. Number one, that we understand it's, it's passing our knowledge. You, you don't understand how much God loves you and how much he loves the world. You, you cannot even comprehend that. But our, our command is that we could know. And that word know means to be intimately acquainted and connected with the love of God. We are preoccupied with three things. Our plans, our pleasures, and our problems. You know, you, you think about people and their conversations. We're preoccupied with our plans, our pleasures or our problems. That's what stirs our mind. But when Jesus came and loved, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ hath loved us. His plans, His pleasures, His problems, erase that. You know what? He came to love, to minister, to help, to enable to, to put grace on those who don't deserve grace even in the even in the smallest degree deserve it. That's why He came. And so when you look at Jesus Christ, the one thing that stands out beyond any person that we've ever studied or looked at or lived with is that He was not preoccupied with His plans, His pleasures, and His problems. He came to do the will of His Father in heaven. Dave referred to love just two weeks ago. Um, I was studying love as well in preparation for this, and I thought, do I repeat? But actually, it's not much of a repeat. Um, looking at a little bit of a different side, I think. 1 Corinthians 13 says a lot of things that love is not. <clears throat> if you go through the list, it goes a lot on the negatives. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't think evil. Um, it doesn't boast. 
But it, it does say three things that love is. Uh, love is patient, or it endureth. Um, then it says love is kind. Let me try and get these written down here. So the three things that it says it absolutely is are these here. Love is patient, love is kind, and love bears all things. Or the bears all things simply means it's not resentful. It doesn't keep account. In your marriage relationship, imagine how far agape love goes in your marriage relationship. It's so easy to keep an account. Okay, That's the bottom one. It's not resentful. That's agape love. And that's beyond what you can do. Okay, you, you were thinking, no, I'm a really good agape person. This is, I, I, I got this. No, you don't. This is what passes knowledge. The only way we can be agape in any degree is because of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Not because of our own, I got this. It's because of the fruit of the Spirit in our connection to the Holy Spirit. We must have the three of these for agape love. If you use these two, love is patient and love bears all, um, we feel good about ourselves if, if we're patient, alright? If I don't fly off the handle because something didn't go my way, hey, I, you know, I'm acting in love here. Uh, if I put up and don't hold score and say, well, you know, because you did that, I'm gonna do this, we're gonna make this even, because I don't get revenge, well, you know, wow, am I a loving person. But with these two, there's no action. Uh, if I could picture it for you, picture a man at the end of the day, 6 o'clock, he worked hard today, and that man is at home sitting on his recliner and playing on his phone, or studying on his phone. Okay? He's being patient. He's not being impatient. He's sitting there alone, right? He's, he can put up with anything. Children can scream, yell, dirty dishes, dirty bathroom. He, he don't care. He's being patient and he's bearing all things. But he's missing the action of love. He's not being kind. His poor wife, right? Now picture someone, same husband, coming home from work after a hard day, and he gets down on his hands and knees and he plays with the children. And he does the dishes. And he helps the queen of the house who is emotionally exhausted. And why is he doing that? It's not because he says, wow, I can't wait till I get home. Tell you what, I can get more exhausted than I am now. This is going to be really good. I, I love doing dishes. How many of you men love doing dishes? And you know what that means? It comes down to agape. You say, well, I've never done the dishes, and I don't plan on doing them in the future. And you know why? That one word, agape, kindness. Kindness always takes action. If your love doesn't take action, and we say, oh, but you should see how patient I am. I mean, what I could say, and what I should say, but I don't say, 
and how much I've put up with. And we feel so good about ourselves, but that's not love in action. That's not agape. Love is kind. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. I want to look today at this word called God's love. Agape. Agape love is the fruit of the Spirit. We have to understand that. Most people are preoccupied with their own plans, pleasures, and problems. In order to overcome that, we have to have agape, where we love as Christ loved us. Now many books, before I read Matthew 5, I want to say this. There's many books written today on love. You could probably go to a Christian bookstore and find enough reading to read every minute the rest of your life on the subject by Christian writers on love. Most of those books, I would say, and this is opinion here, okay, most of those books are dealing with marital love, which is um, not... Let me get this right. They deal with marital love, but they many times don't speak of agape. They speak of eros, which is marital love. But the Bible, when it speaks about eros and marriage and how it should work, always begins with agape. So, why am I saying this? There's a book, Five Love Languages. Alright, learn your language. Learn your spouse's language. Do you know the danger of beginning there? Well, I have this language that's spending time, physical touch, uh, kind words. And if you don't do that for me, I'm running empty. Where's the focus? It's not agape. And I'm not saying don't read the book. I'm saying you can learn arrows, but friends, if we don't have agape... Those books are zero. I don't care how well written or how highly recommended. Agape is where we start to know the love of Christ and that we would walk in that same way. Now, most people don't turn to Matthew 5 to understand the love of Christ. So this probably is really strange, but this just blew me out of the water as I considered this thought. Agape love is uninfluenced by a response of ungratefulness or of evil. Agape love is uninfluenced by a response of ungratefulness or of evil. Matthew 5.43 Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And why do you do that? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Listen for this passage here. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? The thought that I want us to understand, whether you're married or unmarried, thought I want us to catch this morning is the love of God is uninfluenced by a response of ungratefulness or of evil. He says that as well in Luke 6.35, For He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. 
God who is too just to be bribed. Our God is too just to be bribed. He'll send a rain on the crooked, ungrateful swindlers. He'll send a rain on the just. Psalm 103 speaks of this as well. He, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. You say, well, how does that help me? Like, no matter our response, God's love is no less. How does that help me? That helps you picture how you've been loved. And that puts a standard of how you are called to love. I know very few people next to zero people who truly love agape. And for many of us, it's because we don't even know the standard. You love even if they're ungrateful and even if they're evil. Because that's how you've been loved. Imagine how much that would change our homes. Imagine how much that would change our church. See, if He would change that, then I could... Imagine how much that would change our communities. You know what the Bible says? If you don't have that kind of love, this is what you sound like. It's called an irritating noise if you don't have agape love. Yeah, but we preach to them truth. We, we live for them truth. We hold up the Bible as our ultimate authority. That's right. And the ultimate authority says, if you don't have this love, where you're willing to love the ungrateful and the evil, you are uninfluenced by that response. If you don't have that kind of a love, you're an irritating noise. Or it says, a sounding symbol. An irritating symbol. <clears throat> You know, there's times when people who are very carnal, very stubborn, very critical, uh, list could be pretty long of selfish types of people, and they experience a, a seeming miracle. It's, it's like it had to be a miracle because nothing like this would happen normally in their situation. And usually it's called a God thing. You know, I experienced a God thing. And, and it's exciting for us to experience those things. <clears throat> and through that, we sense God's approval. God came through. It might be good to remind people, well, aren't you grateful He's kind to the evil and the ungrateful? Because that fits all of us. God's love is uninfluenced by our response of ungratefulness, even of evil. So when things come into our lives, we say, oh, God's stamp of approval is surely on us. Remember, He also says in Romans 2, don't you understand, the goodness of God is there to lead you to repentance. That's how He softens us. To bring us back to the right way. It isn't by getting out a stick and whacking us, saying, get it right. It's by His kindness. The last bit of advice before Jesus' crucifixion. A lot of us look at humility, and that was the next to the last advice. But the last advice, it seems as I read it, was when Jesus said, listen to me, a new commandment I give to you. Why is this new? That you love one another. That, that wasn't the new part. Uh, that was in the Old Testament 
that you love your neighbor as yourself. The, the love was there. That was commanded a long time ago. But this is the new part. A new commandment I give unto you that you love as I have loved you. Now it changes from filio kind of love calling to I want you to love agape style at home, at church, at work, in your community. I want your love to be uninfluenced by the response that it receives. Didn't matter if you was Judas or John. His kindness was uninfluenced. If you know today that one of your closest friends was going to betray you, have you thrown out of your community, have you thrown out of your church, and had you killed, do you think that you would respond to them in a way that just probably people would get the idea, you know, they're not the keenest on their buddy over there anymore. Well, why is that? Well, they found out, they laid plans out to kill him. And Jesus looked beyond that. And His response was uninfluenced by Judas's response. didn't matter if he was John or if he was Judas. People could tell them, who was going to betray you? We have no idea. I heard a, a cry for help. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it was help. Somebody was yelling, I'm not moving. Somebody else was yelling, You need to get over it. You need to just move on. And boy, was there tension. And I'm saying tension with a capital T. There was a person who had interacted with a man in Hayward that felt justified. This man in Hayward felt justified in being finished with being kind. You know the feeling. Yeah, you know the feeling. I'm done being kind. I am justified in done being kind. He was frustrated at the problem. He was frustrated at the person. And he felt truth justified him to boil it over a little bit. And to give you just a tick of a history, the man had been taken advantage of. And it was a fact he was taken advantage of. How do you respond? Based on merit, he had every right to cause a disturbance. Now the biggest disappointment for me was it had to happen in our store. And it caused quite a stir. But as I look at this, aside from the kicking, aside from the hitting and the shoving and all that, that same attitude has played out in your family and in my family. You know, I can say this because I have a right, I have the merit. I'm done being kind now. Now it's time to get down to how I feel. And your response is influenced by the ungratefulness and by the evil. And Jesus said, if, if you love like the publicans do, what, what reward do you think you have? You, you can get that kind of love at your local five and dime store. You can get that kind of love at the local bar. And you can get that love in a lot of Mennonite churches. You love me, 
You respect me, I'll love you, I'll respect you. And it happens at home, and then it happens in church, and it becomes our normal way of life. If we don't get this right, we'll never experience the fullness of God as we ought to. Walk in love. He says in Ephesians, in our foundation, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in agape. Now there's a lot of things we love and, and pour ourselves into. Is it that we truly learn what agape is at home, at church, and when people take advantage of us? New American Standard Bible, Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Do not let kindness, that's the action word on agape, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tables of your heart. And why do you do this? He says, so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. There's people that don't think much of us. Uh, that's all of us. They don't think much of us. How are we going to find favor? By proving to them how we're right. By proving a whole bunch of things. And you know what the last on our agenda is? Jesus is just saying here through the wisest man, God is saying, this is how you find favor with God and man. Bind kindness, the action word of love, around your neck. Bind truth around your neck. You'll find favor with God and with man. Ephesians, with that backdrop, then I would call husbands and wives to Ephesians 5 and verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you particular so agape his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence or deeply respect her husband. Now I move to the love of marriage. Listen, love isn't based on if the wife deserves it. What kind of a husband would it be that we would go to and we would say, why don't you love your wife? And he would say, well, she doesn't deserve it. All of us here would look at that and say, then that man's a bum. He's not a Christian. You, you, you can't, you can't say, well, if she don't deserve it, then you know, it's just, what are you gonna do? I'm not gonna do it. And please keep listening. And neither is respect. Wives, how can it be when you say, well, why don't you respect your husband? Well, he doesn't deserve it. These two are tied. The, the world says this. The world says respect is earned. You earn it, I'll give it to you. You don't earn it, I won't give it to you. And they also say love is earned. I'm not loving people who don't love me. That's what the world says. Sisters, love Men, respect, are both a gift you give someone, not because they are grateful or good, but because of the love of Christ within you. Love and respect are both a gift 
that you give to someone. Not because of who they are, but because of who Christ is within you. The number one reason, I believe, for marital conflict is because we feel a response of ungratefulness or rejection. Think about it. And think about the love of Christ. He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. He will make the sun rise not just on your house, not just on your neighbor's house, on the evil and on the good. And He says, that's how you're to love us. We're taught by society that respect is earned. Actually, trust fits in that category of being earned. By its very definition, trust is always connected to someone who is trustworthy. Respect and love are a gift you choose to give or not to give. It's completely in your hands to give it or not to give it. You know, I worked with, some years ago, worked with a lot of inner city children who were troubled, whose homes were coming apart in Reading and York and different places. And the the strain and the stress that those children went through, a quick story. I still remember the girl, 14 years old. Her dad was, what I would say, an absolute a bum. And that's putting it very kindly. He had a nice, very nice wife. He had very nice children. Children who respected him, who looked up to him. Their dad was their hero. But the dad ran off and ran off and ran off with other women, ran off again. And finally he ran off for good. The mom came in and said, I can't tell my daughter that he's left last night and is never coming back. I want you to tell my daughter that he left and is never coming back. I tell you what, that's, that's a pretty heavy weight. But you know what I found out? Even this bum of a dad, to this sweet 14-year-old, she still had an incredible amount of respect. And if you inferred in any way that her dad wasn't what he could be or should be, believe me, her words and her anger was going to be steered right at your head. How can you respect an idiot? Is how I look at that. And you know how she can? Respect was hers to give or not to give. It's not if they earned it. Do you know how many people in this world are respected who haven't earned five cents of it? But it's a gift that was given to them. Amen. It's a gift that you love your wife. It's a gift you can give. It's totally in your hands if you choose. Ladies, it's not about if they earned it. It's completely a gift that you give, not if they earned it. That's why I believe it is so important to understand the love of Christ. That it is uninfluenced by the response of ungratefulness or of evil. It's because of who He is. As I say this, it's not about going out of here and say, you know what, I'm going to do better. I'm going to get this love thing figured out. It, 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 it's beyond what you can understand. 
This love, agape love, comes when we look at growth like we did last week, when we recognize who we are, that we're guilty. That we recognize God's grace is the only thing that's going to fill us. When we become grateful for who God is and what He has done for us, then we can experience growth but because we experience a greater connection in Jesus Christ. If this happens, I wonder how it would change our homes. I wonder how it would change our communities. I wonder how it would change our families. The argument of the day is, what is required by God? Is it faith or is it works? You know, can faith alone save you? Is it faith or works as well? Um, is works make you a work religion and that big tension goes on? What does God require of us? And you know, God tells us what He requires of us. Micah 6.8 He has shown you, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. But to do justice. That means to give God, to give your neighbor, to give your body their rightful dues. To love mercy. The word is also interpreted as to love kindness. To love mercy on the evil and on the good. On the grateful, on the ungrateful. To love kindness. And then as Todd Schrock shared, to walk humbly with your God. That's what He requires of us. That's what He's looking for at the final day. To do justice. To have a sense of right and wrong. To fill our rightful duties. But also to love kindness. To love mercy. So my question today for practical purposes Would you be willing to do something today for somebody who doesn't deserve it? Would you be willing to do something today for somebody who doesn't deserve it? Men, would you be willing to step it up just a little bit at home, not based on merit? Nothing to do with based on merit. Ladies, could you be more respectful in response? Could you be, could you give something to someone who doesn't deserve it? I promise you, God did that for you. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved the church. It said God so loved the world. Because that's where we all was. God so loved the world. And He came, He sent not in His Son in the world to condemn the world. But that the world could be saved. For God so loved the world. Matthew 5, at the end of time, there were people welcomed into their heavenly home. And they were people, people, some people look at that and say, well, it's a works religion because it says you were hungry and you fed, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me drink. But actually look at what it's really saying. There was people who were willing to look past the fact of someone deserving this or not deserving this. And embrace the fact of loving others as God loved them. And it started in how they related to people. How many people you know that you have passed in your lifetime who, well, if they would have deserved it, you'd have probably helped them. They would have been more deserving if they would have been maybe a little more put together that it would actually help them. You'd have helped them. But you knew what they was going to do with your kind of help. And so, why bother? 
And that turns into another experience and another experience. And soon we become a people who are very religious, but don't even connect to the people around us that need love, that need actual agape love, not based on merit, but based on they're extremely needy. It can so easily become a habit. And I believe the reason it becomes a habit is because we become a religious people who are preoccupied with my plans, my pleasures, and my problems. And we don't see the love of Christ that reached down to us. And see the love of Christ that was that makes the sun rise on the just and on the unjust and on the evil and on the good. If we understand that the love of Christ is un, unaltered by a response of ungratefulness or of evil, like he says in Matthew 5, I believe we can see a new picture of, God, this is how you've loved me. God, help me to have the Spirit indwelling in me enough. I can love my wife. I can love my family. I can love my church. I can love my community like you've loved me. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer? Lord, I thank you for the love that you have loved us with. Lord, help us not to become calloused, focusing on things that are actually of no eternal merit. Lord, we look at the love of Christ and it amazes me how this love so pure, so free could be given to someone like me. That it could redeem us, that it could melt our hearts to repentance. Lord, I pray that we would truly learn a lesson as we look at love through this week and marital love and family love. I pray, Lord, that we would truly understand what it means to be loved by You and that we, um, beyond the emotional factor of love, that we would look beyond what modern psychiatrists say is love, and we would truly understand what your love has been to us. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I pray, Lord, for your enabling power to those who are weak or sick, and I just pray you would renew us back to strength again, that we could worship and serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.